Welcome to Megaminds, the podcast that unlocks the secrets needed to scale your business from seven figures per year to seven figures per month and beyond. On the show, we pick the brains of leading business owners, marketing geniuses, growth experts, and serial entrepreneurs, tapping into their minds to uncover the true formula for e-commerce success. Now enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm joined by Arjun Shukla over in the US of A, CEO of Megaphone USA, and now officially the guest who has appeared the most times on the show. So how are you, Arjun? I'm very, very well. Thank you, Evan. It's um, a distinct pleasure to be here for the third time. And uh, thank you for welcoming me back. Um, I think you're doing a great job so far. I'm excited to have a chat. Oh, thanks, mate. Appreciate those words. So it's January now, 2022. How do you look back on last year, everything that you created with Megaphone USA? And what were the big learnings you took out of last year? And how are you looking towards this year? Um, you know, last year was a reality check for us as marketers. You know, uh, I think um, in all of our history, we've been very blessed uh, in the sense that we've been exposed to a lot of growing markets. We've been exposed to a lot of situations of abundance, a lot of situations of, uh, call it new technology and adoption curves that um, worked in our favor. You know, we seem to have worked out some technology well before our competitors. And as a result, us as a marketing team, we were flying, but 2021 was really the year where uh, marketing came to a crashing halt in some ways. You know, we were faced immense issues with the iOS 14.5 sort of changes, which, you know, impacted advertising overall um, and really made marketers rethink how they were going to go to market and what, what was important in their marketing versus uh, what Facebook had said was important. Um, it really, the supply chain issues really put a crunch on Black Friday and really changed the nature of that. You saw retailers going earlier than ever than before. And when you look at the um, overall trends across the market, you know, Black Friday was actually not universally positive for everyone. So despite, you know, years and years of people believing that 80% of their revenue should come in this, you know, concentrated 10 to 15 day period, it wasn't the case this year. You know, people had to rely on evergreen funnels. Um, and I think it was a reality check uh, for us as a company because we actually experienced tremendous growth. And um, in doing that, we realized that there's a lot of inbound demands from our clients that we need to service. You know, the creator economy really took off in the last year, um, obviously in the worlds of NFTs and all that sort of fun stuff. But for us more as uh, marketers, we've always known the impact of influencer marketing that um, with the birth of different platforms out there, we've just known that over the last year, UGC and so UGC being user-generated content is more important than ever. Um, and before it was just the, 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 the question was, do you have user-generated content? Now it's how good is your user-generated content? What sort of emotions are you showing? What kind of creators and personas do you have? So for me, I think it was a real evolution and it forced us as a marketing team to band together and innovate very quickly to stay uh, afloat. I think that's a great summary of the reality of the marketing landscape. It's not always rosy. There's always challenges coming in. We'll soon have new Google privacy challenges as well to deal with, um, but that's what separates the good marketers from the rest. It's that ability to adapt and to learn 
and to always be ready to take on whatever the next hurdle is. So Jun, you mentioned UGC, and that's something that a lot of people have spoken about. I'd love to ask what, in your opinion, makes that piece of UGC good, as you said. So what separates a successful piece of content versus an unsuccessful piece of content? Yeah, I think, you know, um, it's a great question to ask because I know a lot of brands out there, um, they're blessed with legions of fans, legions of customers that they've had. And this this question is really essential because it's about tapping into what the company's already got. You know, every company has a CRM and an email list and whatever else. This is about getting as much as you can out of that email list, not just revenue, but actual assets that can drive new customers. Um, So for me, good UGC, the hallmarks of it at a high level is that first of all, it has to be authentic. I think given the exposure that we've had to screens and social media, and especially in the Gen Z sort of cohort, people can just sniff bullshit much, much easier than they could before. One other day is where you could just send out product to an influencer, get them to post and then expect a, you know, a crazy reaction. What, we're, what people need to see now is not a brand or a product um, in showcase. They need to see the person feeling an effect of a problem that they have being solved. And also a problem being solved with plenty of social proof around it. They, um, people are trusting other people in this sort of world that we live in. People aren't trusting the institutions anymore. People are trusting each other to give them the opinions they need to make their product decisions. So we're seeing this real birth of um, people really relying on genuine product reactions, genuine emotions when it comes to speaking of a product. And we're expecting to see much more evangelism from certain products. You know, you're seeing products like Whoop, for example, or Catalina Crunch, whereby its top customers are like actively barracking for it and saying, listen, guys, this is the best product you can get in the market. And here's why. These guys are often not paid as paid to do that. The reason they're doing it is because there's genuine love for the product. So whilst it may be cheesy to say, you know, it's, it's hard to actually fake that. Um, there's, there's a lot of marketing and a lot of uh, community management that needs to go into actually breeding that genuine reaction and get the customer walking away feeling so good. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with not just how you design your ad, but what's the packaging experience? What's the unboxing look like? What's the emails you get two weeks after um, you buy it, which sort of ask for your reviews? What sort of connection do you get? You know, when I bought something from Catalina Crunch, the founder sent me an email and of course it was an automated email but it was in such a nice format that said hey listen you want to be eating Catalina Crunch this way not this way you know and um, one of the common mistakes we've seen people do is put it in Tupperware please don't put it in Tupperware add it to you know put it in a Ziploc bag because it'll keep it fresher longer Um, so I think it's having a genuine connection to the brand that is going to drive good UGC but more than that um that's like the creative side of it. That's the people involved. It's also uh, important that you put some good scripting around it. Um, and what I mean by that is really spending time in terms of what is the hook that I have in the beginning of the video? How am I breeding interest or how am I intriguing people further into what we have? How am I inspiring a desire? Um, and then how, what action am I asking the, the customer to take? So, you know, the way we look at it typically is that um, we want to sort of make sure that the first five seconds addresses something that's an inconvenient problem. You know, it's, it's something that um, everyone can resonate with. And we want to be positioning our user-generated content so that 
uh, the product solves a problem because we know that problem exists for a broad variety of reasons. Um, we don't want to be positioning our product as just the best in the market or that has the most features or whatever, because to a certain extent, um, that doesn't differentiate your product. It, what, what will differentiate your product is that, is that genuine connection, which allows you to understand that, hey, this product, yes, it can solve a problem. Yes, there's competitors in the market, but this is giving a unique experience that you can see end to end. 100%, mate. And there are a couple of things there that I'd, I'd just like to echo. I'll echo the point there around community. That is what separates a brand that has a short lifetime to a brand with longevity and having those customers spread awareness through word of mouth. The other thing you mentioned, Jun, was the AIDA model. So attention, interest, desire, action, which is a very common formula in marketing content and something that I would love to circle back to in the second half of this chat, which brings me um, to what I really wanted to talk to you about today. There's one particular platform that is trending like no tomorrow. You know which one? Yes, I do. I do. It starts with T, TikTok. TikTok, yes. So we've spoken briefly about overall trends in 2022 and what you're looking for. But I want to narrow this discussion down to TikTok because we're seeing so many brands moving into that space. We're seeing an enormous amount of users. And I'll read off some statistics a little bit later just to round this point home. But it's it's very evident that that this is potentially the next big thing, if not already the next big thing. So June, I guess just just to start with regarding TikTok, how much thought are you putting into it in your strategies this year to help grow your clients? Yeah, I mean, we're putting a lot of thought into it and a lot of investment. Um, the way we think about it is that um, unlike other agents, we are platform agnostic. You know, we don't believe in tying uh, your carriage or to just one horse. You know, we really know that in the marketing landscape, landscape it's continuously changing. And we know that Back in the day, it was Google Ads, and then after that, it was SEO, and after that, it was Facebook, and then after that, it was Instagram. We've kind of arrived at a situation whereby TikTok is the platform whereby there is that classic virality. So what do I mean by that? It's where things are actually trending. There was a time in which uh, Instagram stories where it was where pe- people were putting trending ideas or trending thoughts or trending memes. There was a time before that where it was Facebook and Facebook groups. We really see it as not just in the worlds of social media, the worlds of music, in the worlds of movies. Um, TikTok is the place where people are picking up what's new, what's hot. And this is especially true of the tastemakers um, that we see in America. You know, we're seeing a lot of the classic Instagram um, celebrities that we've seen in the past move platforms. We have seen the birth of creators with millions of views popping up over the course of a year that just couldn't be expected on any other platform. And yes, the other platforms like TikTok, sorry, like uh, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram continue to grow quite slowly. TikTok has just taken off and it's at this point now whereby um, TikTok just has more views on it than Google does, um, as, has more traffic than Google does. So what that tells us as a market is that people are more willing to have inbound marketing as opposed to outbound. They're, they're not searching as much. It's They're willing to be marketed too. They're willing to go on to TikTok 
and just scroll mindlessly until the algorithm gives them what they want. Um, so, you know, for, for us as a business, we're really thinking about it um, on a couple of different levels. Um, for us, obviously, the ads platform is always something to explore, but we really see the opportunity there as a way to tap into creators. You know, the amount of real people that there are on TikTok um, and the amount of raw video there is on TikTok is something that I think is quite surprising. Um, but, you know, Instagram has always been seen as the place where you put filters and you're trying to show your best self and you raise kind of unrealistic expectations about who you are. But that's just not how TikTok is. TikTok is all about uh, how roughshod you are, how real you are. You know, it has bloopers. It has all kinds of, you know, shaky cam. And people are enjoying it. This is the videos that, they, they, that they're vibing with. Um, so, I mean, for us, it, it's a change in nature for what the UGC needs to look like. It no, long, it no longer needs to be perfectly produced. Um, it needs to hit on the same points, yes, but it doesn't need as much marketing production behind it. it. It can actually be done by the creator itself. In the past, you potentially needed the creator to create the video, then send it to some sort of graphic design team who zhuzhed it up and put the right filters on it and you know airbrushed certain parts. It's not like that anymore. It's on TikTok, the creator makes it, they edit it on the video editor and it's done. So it's really completely changed the way that content is made and delivered at scale. And that brings us back to what you mentioned earlier as a key trend overall across UGC, which was authenticity. And you can't be any more authentic than shooting a raw video and posting it as is with the song over the top. The other word I'd like to highlight that you said was opportunity and the opportunity of TikTok, TikTok as a platform. I think you know it's easy to be listening to this and think that, okay, these two guys work in marketing. They're excited about a new platform. Fair enough. But I'll, I'll just read off a few stats that really shows how big this opportunity is. So as of January this year, TikTok had a billion, one billion active monthly users. Last year, it topped Apple's top free apps list, which was ahead of YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook. And it's also the fifth non-gaming app to get 3 billion total downloads. The first four were WhatsApp, Messenger, Facebook, and Instagram. And Jun, do you recognize a pattern with those four other apps I just mentioned? Yep, they're owned by the Zuck. <laughs> exactly. They are all controlled by the Zuck, by Meta, formerly known as Facebook. What does that tell you about ByteDance and TikTok? It's the first outside of the Meta company to break these numbers and it's doing so at a rapid pace. One more thing I want to highlight is that recent data showed that the engagement rates across different follower levels for Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok showed that TikTok had considerably more engagement than the other networks. So for micro-influencers, their engagement rates were close to 18% on TikTok, close to 4% on Instagram, and close to 2% on YouTube. That means that people who are watching these videos are engaging, are clicking, are following, and are more actively involved than passively involved, as was in the past. After reading all of those out, Jun, does anything stand out? Does anything change your perception? You know, the engagement rate is what sticks out, you know, that 18% um, number, you know, uh, I don't think that's the only number that can prove that. I think you can see it. And 
I think to me, to be honest, that's like just another nail in the coffin towards the virality argument, which is this is a platform that has actually found a way whereby commenting at scale, just like it was a few years ago on Facebook and Instagram, is actually driving social proof, which leads to additional virality. So um, they, I mean, for me, it just, it just sort of proves the point that we're trying to make, which is like, this is a platform that's here to stay. Um, and maybe it's not forever, but it's at least here for the next few years. And um, when you look at it from an ad inventory perspective, there's, there's no one in the space that we can point at and say they've nailed it, you know? I think it's still a developing beast. Um, unlike Facebook, where you've got tons of case studies like native deodorant, for example, or koala mattresses that really scaled really, really hard on social media, we know there's brands that have scaled their reach and their presence on TikTok and gotten the thousands of followers, but the actual ROI, that's still a little bit spottier. So, I mean, what this still proves to me is that there's still a lack of data about how you get conversions out of TikTok, which is what marketers are looking for. Well, there's still plenty to be learned. That's for sure. So we've, um, we've spoken about the opportunity. We've rammed that point home that the opportunity exists. Now, June, I want to pick your brain on how to capitalize on that opportunity, whether that be through formulas like the attention, interest, desire, action framework that we spoke about earlier, or any other strategies you may have that you're trialing and seeing success with. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, um, I'll back up a bit to say there's some principles and basics to know about when you're advertising on a platform or using a platform in general. Um, TikTok is a place for people, not brands. And I think Instagram was for brands and people. Um, and it was a place for people to become brands, but it is the opposite here. It, TikTok hates products. TikTok loves people's reactions to products. So you've got to really change your way of thinking. You're not marketing your product. You're marketing how it makes someone feel. Um, and whether that's organic or inorganic through paid strategies, you've got to keep that in mind. The second thing is that TikTok has a very clear look and feel that its users know about. They know within half a second whether something is an ad or not, something is planned or not, whether something... Things won't go viral there. People just have a lot of... Uh, nows and an ability to spot bullshit on the platform. And if you are pushing or if you're over pushing your product, it just won't happen. That virality just won't happen. Um, what you need to focus in on is making sure your TikTok looks as native as possible to the actual feed that you're trying to, to the actual, I guess, uh, user that you're trying to get to, which means using the TikTok video editor, which means cottoning yourself onto a trending sound it may be new to you to be split testing different trending sounds but every day there is a new trending sound on tiktok and this could mean the difference between a million reach or a thousand reach so there is a different way that you've got to approach the platform and you've got to really be respectful of the fact that given it has an active base there is a way that people are expecting to see that content having said that you know, we are finding there's some strategies to employ that regardless of the look and feel of your product or how you are sort of pitching yourself can be really, really critical towards making your TikTok. What I'd say first is that the brands that are starting to get success, they first expand by using TikTok creators, not necessarily TikTok ads. 
in this case, what they're doing is sourcing a number of creators who have their own organic reach, creating a partnership opportunity with them and saying, hey, listen, here's a product, make a few TikToks with it. There's no creative direction required from us. Go for it. So what's happening there is that there's a lot of creators who are taking a product and taking it to the place that they want to go. It's required marketers to put more effort on who the creator is as opposed to what I'm scripting to tell the creator to do. In the past, you just get an actor to say, hey, listen, I want you to talk about, you know, this product and, you know, its color and this and that. At this point, you just have to go to the TikToker and you have to say, listen, I found you. I think your TikToks are cool. Please make me one that looks cool as well. So that is like, you know, using the creator marketplace. That's one of the key ways that people are getting growth on the platform because you need to get that creator connection to actually drive results. Then I think the way to look into how those videos are actually put together, whether they're paid or unpaid, um, is really to understand systematically what is happening at every, call it five second interval of the video. The way we look at it, just as we've looked at it in the past on Facebook, is that the first five seconds is where you're trying to grab attention. So just like in Facebook where you potentially have your first of copy or your first little part of the post as the attention grabbing hook, the text overlay on TikTok is potentially where the hook comes from. The hook can also be really specific to the sound. People, you could be hooking people in with the right sound. You could be hooking people in with the right filter. There's a new filter coming out every single day because the velocity on the platform is so high. And finally, I'd say like, the, the onus on text and reading is just not that high. You know, you can only use 30 characters to fill out your little TikTok um, text, text field. So you actually can't convey that much information. <laughs> you actually have to show things and tell the story by doing as opposed to just saying, hey, this is non-toxic. Hey, this is natural. You've just got to make it obvious through text overlays um, and showing the product in the right way. So I know that's a lot to achieve in the first five seconds, but TikTok is all about the first five seconds. If I'm being really honest, the first two. Um, what our analysis is sort of proving is that in the first five seconds, you need to hit home on a point that almost everyone has had or can relate to. And it doesn't need to be necessarily one that they've had. It can be something that a friend or a mother or a, you know whatever else has had. So um, that grabbing attention point is really, really important. And for me, the attention has to come from the facial reaction almost. You know, it has to come from the way that someone feels. So again, as marketers, we've got to think a little bit more about how we analyze people's faces and um, what sort of people we select to represent our brands. In the past, maybe it was fine just to find 50 random influencers. Now you, have to, now you don't need to do like 50 random ones. You have to find 50 really committed ones that will give your brand the attention that it requires. So once you've grabbed that attention with the first three to five seconds, how do you then place your product in there in an organic manner? How do you maintain that interest and spark that desire so that they do in turn take action? Yeah. I mean, the, the nice thing is on TikTok, people are used to the quick cut styles. So, Whilst on Facebook and Instagram, the quick cut style looks very adsy, looks very, very uh, non-native to the platform. You know that's not a that you know that that's not a 
post made by someone, you know that's a po- that's you know that's an ad. It's the opposite on TikTok. People are used to seeing that quick cut style. TikTok, what it's done is put a beautiful video editor, and it's it's getting better every single day at the hands of the creator. So grabbing that interest is about doing the right quick cuts at that point. Um, what we want to be doing at that point is showing the usage of the product and a text overlay or some sort of emotional in the face again that shows off how that benefit is being felt. So one of the brands I was looking at called Maker Wines, you know, as they're describing, you know, how the wine is made, you can see someone enjoying it in a sunny environment. You can see someone, you know, pulling it out of the fridge and not having to open a whole bottle of wine and wasting half the bottle. You know, you can see them managing to see the benefits of that. You can see the colors sort of being enjoyed and the genuine looks in people's faces when they see this beautiful pastel can. So again, you have to show through the actual look and feel what's happening. The other thing I'd say is that you need to show that there's some sort of secret. You know, the first five seconds is kind of like the hook, right? But after that, you need to spend five to 10 seconds thinking about what's the secret of my product and how can I camouflage it just a little bit? So we want to intrigue people on that first point to say, listen, there's all these benefits that you have thought about. And let me tell you about the benefits for four or five seconds. And then the sixth or seventh second, let me tell you about the secret. And I might spend an extra two, three seconds just on that secret. So if the secret to your brand is, I don't know, you've got the freshest ingredients in the market, you're the only one that can source from a specific place in the world, you want to almost cover it up until like 10 to 15 second mark, at which point you drop it and people go, ah, that's what's causing that emotion on the face at second one. Okay. So we've spoken rather theoretically from an umbrella perspective about the framework and what to include in these videos to give them the highest chance of success. I'd love to hear a an example or a case study of an ad that you've seen or you can even make it up on the spot of you trying to promote a product. If you were going to create a video today of whatever's sitting on your desk, how would you do it? Yeah, great question. Great question. So, you know, I'm holding a client of mine's uh, drink in my hand. It's OG Cola. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that makes this special is this, this this actual it tastes better than the coke zero um and it's got much less calories um and it's much better for you so the way i would do it is first of all you understand the research behind what this product is so this is a cola product it is marketed as an energy drink but an energy drink that does not lead to a crash after you've had the caffeine so what I'm going to look for is a lot of research to suggest that this is a problem that people are facing, right? And we know that this is a problem. People have dopamine problems. Uh, people struggle with getting their timing right. And, you know, people struggle with sleep or whatever else. One of the key problems we found in the research is that energy drinks can cause huge digestive issues over a long period of use, whereas cola nut contains a number of chemicals whereby that those issues won't happen. So the way that I'm going to address that is my first five seconds. I'm going to start with some sort of text overlay that's like, y'all, I just fixed, I just fixed the problems I've been having due to monster, you know? Or I've just, you know, y'all, my my stomach's never been feeling better since I started using this energy drink. So that's your hook. That needs to be much snappier. It needs, it's like, or it needs to be a little bit more like ever had a brother that or ever had 
had someone in your life struggling with energy drinks? You know, has your stomach ever been churned up after drinking the monster? Um, or it could be someone's facial reaction feeling all, I don't know, yucky and, and a, a filter with black and white uh, whilst I'm drinking a monster. And that could be superimposed right next to me with someone drinking an OG cola and not feeling that way and feeling energized. Then the first, that's, that's, I think, the hook that I would go for. The next 10 seconds after that, though, what I'd say is that this is the reaction that I've got. Then I'd be like, listen, I'm feeling this way because I've been trying this new product, OG Cola. It's made of 100% cola nut. Do you guys know what cola nut is? It's this, it's this incredible nut from West Africa. No one else quite uses it like OG Cola does. It has, has L-theanine theobromine, which allows you to lessen the effects of the caffeine during the come down. This makes such a big difference for when you are trying to focus in or trying to get to bed after a big day of work. Um, other, and then the secret is what other energy drinks won't tell you is that an overabundance of caffeine makes it so that you have to drink more and more caffeine every single day just to support your habit. This product makes it easy for you to regulate that and it doesn't give you any of the jitters which makes you all nervous and feel like oh, you need an energy drink to survive. So you can have one of these and feel calm. You can feel collected. The benefits that you feel is that I can go to work and I can have an energy drink and feel like I'm productive instead of just all haywire and all over the place with a very defined set of uh, benefit for two hours and then a crash for the rest. So it's a much slower come down. Then I, I would probably speak a little, and obviously that's a lot to fit in, but what I'm speaking about there is those are the key points there needs to be a lots of quick cuts the quick cuts i would show is that someone's drinking monster for example and they're struggling at work they're falling asleep they're awake they're rolling around tossing and turning in bed and then i want to superimpose that with someone resting peacefully enjoying themselves at work because they're drinking this og cola and then i want to superimpose that with like an additional benefit that they could face the additional benefit is something along the lines of Oh, also, it has a quarter of the calories that another energy drink in the market does. So, for example, this, this drink has 40 calories. Uh, Monster Energy has 80 or whatever else. So we would think about that. It's like, okay, not only is it good for your digestion, also the calories. So it's an additional plus one of a benefit that you're going to get. At that point, then, I've told enough of the story. I've told people how I'm feeling about it. You need social proof. And the social proof just really comes down to showing, showing other people enjoying it, um, showing that others have had the problem solved too. So I might say something at that point like, you know, it was working for me, guys, but I gave it to my brother. You know, he's always had a sensitive stomach. He, now, he doesn't drink energy drinks because of his sensitive, sensitive stomach. And as a result, he's, he's, like, he's able to use this product and not you know, face any issues. And he's able to knock over so many things that he needs to do in his day. And they might create a brother persona that's like a doctor or something like that, a mission critical job. The final action though, honestly, like it needs to be a very soft call to action. It needs to be something that's like, hey guys, just go check it out. You know, unlike Facebook where you say shock now, if you say shock now on TikTok, people just won't click. People will be like, ah, 
you're just shilling for someone. No worries. You weren't actually about the content. You were about the product. So your burden of proof is on just saying, listen, this is actually positively improving me. It could help you. It could not. Have a go. And people will naturally make their own decisions. So it isn't about being too pushy as well. You need to be really, really focused on just saying, listen, this has made me feel better. You can see it in my face. If you want to feel better and you want to have the same reaction, you should do the same thing. That's a terrific example, Jun, and I think it makes a lot of sense. It also would certainly have helped myself and our listeners understand from a tangible perspective that formula we've spoken about earlier. And even though it's a very specific example that applies to this energy drink alternative that you speak of, it applies to any product. You know, the the themes of being relatable and engaging through talking about the side effects or having that facial expression of disgust or talking about a relatable relative, that all comes under the theme of relatability, which is very important. And then you've you've spoken about education. You gave the example of giving the source of the ingredients and telling them why these ingredients are beneficial. You spark intrigue through the secret of this ingredient that hasn't been used before. It's almost a first to market. And then you really rammed home those benefit points. So talking about L-theanine, talking about the lack of the caffeine come down. And finally, with that soft call to action at the end. So even though that was a very specific case study you gave, you can glean that information and that formula and apply it within context to almost anything. Yeah, that's right. And you know, where we're taking a lot of our samples from is there's a great, there's a great YouTuber slash content creator named Savannah Sanchez or the social Savannah, as some of you might know her as, um, that does a lot of ad teardowns. And you can see that most of her ads follow this exact formula. Um, you know, it's not, I would say the formula and the, the cadence of the videos are always the same. They're always 30 seconds or under. They're always soft CTA, everything else. But what's not the same is the human reactions. Each person has an has a different emotional range and getting that out of them, you know, it, it sounds very uh, it sounds very ethereal and sounds very um, fluffy, but, you know, you really need to focus in on the emotion that's being shown on the face. Beautiful. Let's take a little bit of a tangent here. Uh, I want to ask you about how you approach setting up your ads on TikTok mm-hmm. because TikTok is a very organic platform to start with and only in a short amount of time have we been experimenting with the advertising platform so what have you learned and what's working for you and how do you go about setting things up on the back end yeah you know so we're at this point right now that um we can't say that tiktok is a full funnel solution quite yet um the way that we position tiktok and the way that we believe tiktok should be used right now and by right now, i mean literally right now because it's changing so quickly is that we think it's a natural extension to the top of your funnel um, we think that in Facebook, the CPMs are getting to a point where you may not be able to find your audience as easy as you were able to before. In the past, you had the pixel and the pixel could just really literally listen for when your customer needs a product and then just put the ad in front of them. So for us, it's about increasing the strength of our top of the funnel. So what we would de- definitely recommend is to first start off with some traffic campaigns on TikTok. You can get some easy traffic to your website. You will not see the return on investment. That's the way you've got to look at it. But the, what you're doing in that platform is learning. You're letting the TikTok pixel absorb some of your brand knowledge. And honestly, you're just trying to get different eyeballs onto your website so that you can measure the impact of what that 
traffic is doing. And uh, we would recommend really using something like Google Ads or you know, Triple Whale, um, Pixel, just to analyze the impact of that versus your other channels. Um, whilst you do that for a while, I would, you know, understand the impact of the traffic and at a certain point set up a conversion campaign. And when you set up that conversion campaign, I would probably go very, very broad. At this point, the general interests just don't make sense yet. Um, the general interests just aren't as well refined. And at the end of the day, um, there's just not as much intel around, you know, on Facebook, you've got groups, you've got Messenger, you've got WhatsApp, like there's an ecosystem of them understanding what you're about and what you like. TikTok, they just don't have as much information. They're building that up slowly, slowly. So we recommend going broad because then you can try and understand, okay, how is different demographics reacting to this? How are different age ranges reacting to this? What's the, what's the reaction of males versus females? At a certain point, though, you can start to get narrower, and we would recommend this 10 interests that TikTok recommends that you add to your channels. We would recommend that like, you probably start out with those 10 and then a couple more interests there, and you go for a really, really broad audience. I think the unofficial rule on Facebook has always been aim for somewhere between 5 and 15 million in your top of funnel audience and try and go from there. You know, TikTok, we're going for like an estimated audience of like 50 to 100 million just because we just want to get an understanding of what's happening there. Then what we want to do is make sure that the bottom and middle and the bottom of the funnel is really, really well catered for. So we're going to expect that that traffic from TikTok isn't necessarily going to convert. But what we're hoping to see is that the retargeting campaigns you have on Google, the retargeting campaigns you have on Facebook, e.g. branded keywords, e.g. you know, dynamic product ads, you're going to see an improvement in performance there because someone is seeing that ad for the second time after I've experienced it on TikTok. They're getting a different message from you on Instagram, Facebook or TikTok or, or Google than they were on TikTok. And this is strengthening the overall argument that you have to the person as to why you should buy. So we do not see it as like TikTok being the end all and be all. We do think though it is prudent like, like for brands to put this as like an additional improvement to your top of the funnel and then retarget it through Facebook and Google and get conversions that way. Eventually we do see that TikTok will move in that direction. There's just too much money, too much uh, AI behind that beast and you know their Shopify integrations are getting stronger by the day so we do see that it will eventually transform into this full funnel solution we do think there's a, a much more opportunity around like doing live shopping for example on TikTok and doing a lot more brand collaboration but at this point we're not we're not quite seeing the results to say that hey listen you guys can abandon your Facebook and Google campaigns and just move to TikTok I think there's an opportunity there to get some great traffic. And if you're a smart marketer, you can do what you need to with that traffic. So if you have a focus on the top of the funnel and begin your advertising with traffic campaigns, the reality is that the TikTok audience is almost a polar opposite in the way they engage compared to, say, an Instagram audience. It's organic versus polished. It's raw versus styled. So I would be extremely surprised if you answered this question with a no, is a specific landing page essential for when advertising on TikTok that directs TikTok users to a landing page designed for them that's more organic, more raw, 
more bare bones and more in line with the aesthetic of the ads and videos they're seeing on the TikTok platform? Yeah, it's a good question, you know, and truth be told, we don't actually know the answer to that. And I'm happy to say that, you know, I, the way where we're starting and starting to see results is by sending that traffic to the homepage and just getting general brand exposure. But what we have really discovered in the last year is that there has got to be a lot more connection between the ad and the landing page to get that performance. And on Facebook, for example, we're moving towards having unique landing pages for each part of the funnel so that the copy that made you convert and click through is the copy you see very directly and there's that persistence effect. So we do think that there's an opportunity there for brands to create, call it more socialized um, landing pages whereby this UGC is more apparent. In the past, you'd have a product buy box where the five images would be beautiful product photography. We might be looking at a world soon where the only there is no product photography. The only product photography is UGC. And you have five UGC examples as your carousel for people to look through as opposed to five product shots in a white background. The thing that we're going to have to lead with much more is embedding video, video reviews and photo reviews at the top half of the page. Right now, you know, it's, it's all well and good that you can see the star rating, but you know everyone gaming that star rating now. Everyone's uploading their own, interview, their own uh, fake reviews and getting to five stars. So it's um, hard to trust a five-star review these days. So what people want to say is like, no, no, show me the proof. Show me that this product is working for someone and I will hand over my money willingly. So um, there is an opportunity there to make sure that the hero image in your landing page isn't just like a random uh, product, product photography with the right copy. It could just be the, you, it just could be a TikTok video again, or it could be a super cut of five different TikTok videos that show off your brand. Long story short, um, the landing page, it's, it's, not, it's under at this point whether you need to make TikTok specific landing pages um, versus Facebook specific landing pages. What is very clear is that the effect on TikTok, of TikTok is that all landing pages need to feature much more social proof than they used to. And it, it's almost like given, given there's almost zero information of your product on a TikTok itself, like you can't add much information. There's not much place to add copy. The sale continues at the landing page. You know, the, <laughs> all you've gotten to do with TikTok is getting some, gotten someone to click out. But the sale continues. They haven't actually understood anything about your product. All they know is the emotion that it's causing. You've got to leave them with some information in a really clever way and close the deal that way. That's a great insight. And one of the key points you mentioned there is showing, not telling. So using video, not text. And that, that applies specifically to the TikTok videos but also throughout the entire process you know as you mentioned ironically reviews are less trustworthy these days so you need to be able to create credibility and believability through non-edited authentic raw footage and we're also seeing this trend just to take a step back across not just tiktok but all video ads you know audiences are becoming much more skeptical and the more cuts you have in videos the easier it is for them to say, oh, you've, you've made a cut here in the middle. That's clearly when you've uh, put the product on or swapped out the product. Mm. So by minimizing that opportunity for objection, you therefore create that trust. Mm. And a, a, great, a great example of this is a video that was done by Holly from Sugatan. And what, what she did with this video, it was for an eyelash growth serum. And she became that objection 
the objection is, okay, this is a six-week product that take it takes six weeks for the eyelashes to grow. So who's to say if I do a before and after, you haven't faked it, you haven't just gone and got them done at the salon. So what she's done is she's put it on one eye and that eye, those eyelashes have grown, the other have not. And she sort of embraced that skepticism and there's no, you can't fake that. So that really shows that authenticity is king. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think um, the, the, the key thing you picked up on there is like, whether that video is on TV or on TikTok or on Facebook, it still needs to have the same principles of becoming the objection. Um, so, you know, one of the most memorable TikToks I've seen is this one that's like, um, it's, it's tabs, T-A-B-S, it's sex chocolate. It's apparently dark cocoa chocolate with additional benefits and whatever else. And it leans into the fact that it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. It leans into the fact that, you know, you're asking yourself, will this actually work? It leans into that. And I'd really recommend some people look up this brand because some of their TikTok content is just fire. It's just like so, so well thought out. It, the objection in these situations is always going to be uncomfortable topics, but by facing into these uncomfortable topics, not shying away from them, they're managing to get so many more views because the product, you know, the product is fine, but the problem exists. And because they're positioning themselves as the key solution provider for the product of say premature ejaculation or low libido or whatever else, and they're positioning it in really clever ways, uh, that, you know, they're getting the views. They're getting the views because they're, they're positioning themselves as a solution provider. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I have a very specific question for you. And I think this is something that a lot of brands will face and some something that a lot of brands will struggle with. And this is the idea of taking a premium brand, someone who is focused on their aesthetic and on their look and transitioning them onto TikTok. We know that organic and raw and unfiltered content is what works. It's what works with the algorithm. It's what works with the users. So if you were to have a client come to you who considers themselves premium, they weren't sold on TikTok, but they can clearly say that the platform is exploding in popularity. How would you recommend that they maintain their luxury and their emotion and their premium feeling on a platform that is generally Pretty clickbaity, pretty raw, and pretty authentic. Hmm. You know, what I would say on that is that um, I wouldn't make any assumptions about what content works on TikTok or not. It's, it's, TikTok is not just for 13 to 17-year-olds. Um, and maybe there was a time where it was, but it's, it's definitely not anymore. Um, B2B businesses are crushing it on TikTok. Um, you know, random sex businesses, random dog businesses. Yeah, they're always going to do well because of their audience there. But older audiences are crushing it on TikTok. Um, normal people are on TikTok now. I guess that's the point. Um, and I don't think there's anything specific that a luxury brand needs to do to avoid being seen as clickbaity. In fact, I think it's the other way around. I don't think, I, I think if they're not on TikTok, then they're going to slowly fade into irrelevance because that's the platform that's hot. That's the platform that's trending. And fashion is all about what's trending. Premium is all about status symbols. And the only status symbol is whether you're at the place where everything else is at. So I I just think, you know, for a premium brand, 
um, it, there's no choice anymore. You have to be on TikTok. It's like in the beginning, I'm sure some brands were thinking that Facebook was too mass market for them. Uh, eventually, they all decided they had to be on the platform. And same with Instagram and everything else. So I, I just think there's no choice. There's no, um, you, can't, you can't just decide, actually, it's not the right platform for us and say Pinterest is. It's, it's a place you need to be. Um, and I think what I would say is that there's so many ways to style your content to be incredibly high quality. Like, yes, it needs to be roughshod, but you can choose your creators and you can choose the aesthetic style that you want. These creators are doing so much with the filters. So you can find the right aesthetic style that's right for your brand um, through the creator marketplace. It's more about effort. There's no actual like high level uh, principles to really discuss here. It's more about uh, do you have the ability as a brand to put in the work and find the creators that you think are going to represent your aesthetic. I think the main point there is that if you do not adapt, you get left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Jun. So I think before we jump into the rapid fire questions to end our chat for today, there are a couple of learnings that I want to share with everyone listening and shout out to Tim, um, one of the guys who works with you at Megaphone USA, who's come up with a lot of these based on his own research. Yeah. We've got seven observations that I think a lot of people will benefit from. So do you want to go one for one? Yeah. I'll, I'll read one, you read one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, I, I know we've had a wide ranging conversation and I think that discusses the, I think part of that is uh, part and parcel to how nascent this platform is and how much potential there is. Um, at this point and you know white space there is no one's cracked it yet i think um first thing i'd say like we said before look and feel is the thing that we've been harping on about we're going to harp on about it again it needs to look feel sound like tiktok you know it cannot use another video editing solution it cannot use some sort of other voice there is a weird robot voice there are certain native text tools and stickers there's a certain way that a tiktok comment looks and if it doesn't look for like look if it doesn't look like that it's gone. If, if it's got co comments disabled or anything like that, it's gone. It doesn't even, you might as well not make it. So I would say everything has to be produced native on the platform and has to go out that way. The second thing, yeah, the second thing I would probably say is like the point of view, like there's certain concepts that continue to pop up. So there's one where there's like TikTok made me buy this. There's another one that's like point of view. Um, there's another one where it's someone having a conversation with themselves and the camera is flipped every couple of seconds, you know, and there's trending sounds like there's dances and stuff. You've got to lean into that. I'm not saying everyone needs to make sort of a nene or whatever else kind of dance that's trending at the time. Um, but I think what definitely people need to do is keep an eye on when there's an opportunity. Like if you think that your market is Taylor Swift fans and you think Taylor Swift released an album, you better be split testing her new album on the trending sounds. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity to latch onto some of the unique characteristics of TikTok itself, such as the trending sound, the filters, that sort of space. But whilst you do that, I think the third thing is that none of them really look professionally done. Um, whether it's from Allstate or L'Oreal or whatever else, the heavy hitters are all producing directly through TikTok and making sure it still looks rough. Um, there's no post-production. There's no production outside of the TikTok app. This keeps it very native. This makes sure that 
everyone who's seeing it knows that it comes from TikTok and it comes from a person, not the brand. So there's just, you know, in, in many ways, this is like cutting out the middleman of a graphic designer and whatever else. It's the content creator becomes a graphic designer. The content creator becomes a um, videographer in many ways. Um, and this, this removes a step from the equation, but it forces much more thought into the, who the, your creator is because you're not just evaluating them for their look and feel, you're evaluating them for their artistic direction, which you didn't have to do before. You, you as the advertiser did the ad, uh, artistic direction. Now the creator does it. So, I mean, I'm going to pause there because I think that's a lot to take in. I think the key point there is that um, you have to be a consumer of the platform um, if you're a marketer. You know, I think we've all been guilty of saying, oh, I'm not going to jump on TikTok. It's kind of hard to sort of digest. It's a lot happening and it's a lot of young people and this and that. Um, <laughs> you can't say that. You just have to just dive in and start to understand what's native to the platform. I'll just, I'll just add on to those then, Jun, very quickly our learnings four five six and seven so number four lean into the hype we know that tiktok's about hype for example the robot voice you know follow the trend become the trend and then your videos will be shown to more people through the viral algorithms number five focus on the quick cuts we all know about the short attention spans of the modern generation number six get to the point so 30 seconds should be the absolute maximum of your video. And if you can get to the point within 15 seconds, that's great. Even if you can get to the point within the first five seconds for people who just continually scroll, then that's ideal as well. Last but not least, remember that TikTok is not watched on mute the way that Facebook and Instagram videos are. Over 80% of Facebook and Instagram videos are watched with the sound off. TikTok is watched with the sound on. So capitalize on that sound embrace the trending sounds and engage with your viewers on a, another level. So those are our seven surprising common denominators across TikTok's top ads. Anything to add onto those, June, before we jump into our rapid fire questions? No, I, listen, all I'd say is that TikTok has a beautiful top ads function. Um, it allows you to see the top ads trending that day over the last seven days. It allows you to filter by engagement or um, what I personally like to filter by a six-second view rate. So the percentage of people that viewed it versus the percentage of people that viewed it for six seconds. So how good was your hook really? Did it force people to watch? Um, that's what I would be looking at um, to understand the efficacy of your videos. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it, just start following people on TikTok. If you see a good ad, um, you need to sort of just just jump in and just like understand the sort of content they're posting every day. And you can be a copycat, you know, great marketers steal and, uh, you know, repurpose concepts. So I think you can be a little bit copycat because it's so nascent. Um, there's plenty of space for everyone to succeed in the platform. Brilliant. June, before we jump into the rapid fire questions, massive thank you for jumping on today and having a chat. It's always a pleasure to hear what you're up to and what Megaphone USA is doing. So thanks for spending the time to have a chat with me. Absolutely. Today. Always welcome. All right. So question number one, you've already given one answer for this. So I'm, I'm going to ask you for a second. What's the funniest or most memorable TikTok video you've seen? Yeah. I mean, I would say like, I mean, as someone who's not someone that uses TikTok for fun, I'm rather someone who uses it for research. Um, I would say some of the ads that Social Savannah has shown on her YouTube, like they just, 
they just show how thoughtful you have to be. Um, so as I said, there's one by Maker Wines. Yeah, there's another one by Tima Towels, T-E-E-M-A Towels. Um, that just they just show off what it's like to have that human reaction that looks positive. And it, I mean, you can see it in the engagement of the ad. There's a reason why it's performing. Um, it's just hitting on the right notes. It's hitting, it's clear that the research is done. Um, and it's not especially funny, but you can see that it's, an, it's a sales pitch, but done in a clever way. Um, so, you know, th- those are some TikTok sort of profiles I really, really enjoy. Um, I think at the end, I think at the end of the day, it's all about the creators as well. So you've got to keep an eye on what the Addison Rays of the world are doing as well. You know, see how they're performing on TikTok, what kind of engagement they're doing, what sort of trends they're doing. Because again, it's all about trends. It's all about the tastemakers. You've got to identify these tastemakers who's getting the most engagement and why and see how it sort of will come back to your brand. Um, so yeah, I mean, a couple of those just to repeat, Tima Towels, Maker Wines, um, and uh, Miracle Brands. Uh, Miracle Brand does this sort of silk and silver, or rather not silk and silver, cotton and silver sort of therm- uh, thermoregulating blanket. Um, and that that's, you know, again, showing just what high-class UGC can look like. This is these are some excellent examples that anyone could copy for their brand. So besides social savannah, those examples you've just given and the TikTok trending section, do you have any other essential resources that help you find and create the best TikTok ads? Not really. As I said, it's quite sparse right now. Um, I would look at uh, obviously the Sugatan guys seem to sort of understand the platform as well. But I mean, honestly, the top ads function is your best friend right now. It's always been a in Facebook ads library. You can never really like you, you, you rely on third parties to give you what the top performing ads were or you found out through other ways. But in this way, you can actually work it out like you can actually filter. So I would say top ads is the way to go. Um, it'll take a lot of independent research to work out what can work for you. Um, I wouldn't say there's any course that I've done or any course I've explored that really has nailed it. Um, there's another content creator on YouTube called Noah Brewer. He seems to have a good concept of how to drop ship on uh, TikTok. And those are some of the most opportunistic entrepreneurs in the world. So yeah, I would look at that as well. Um, you know, but again, those principles, it's, it's all about execution. There's no like secret formula there. It's all about execution, um, of how you sort of record the UGC. Right. Moving on to our next question. This one's more general. What are your current essential resources? Do you have any must-read books or must-listen podcasts for entrepreneurs, creatives, and e-commerce owners that you've gotten stuck into over the past few months since we last spoke? Yeah, I mean, I've just read this book called Trillion Dollar Coach, um, and it's by Eric Schmidt, who was the former CEO of Google, Jonathan Rosenberg, who was former head of product or VP of Google. Um, and it's talking about one of their former coaches um, and mentors, Bill Campbell, who was this uh, huge Silicon Valley scion. He was a coach to Steve Jobs and Sundar Pichai and Larry Page and Sergey Brin. And he, he was this guy that managed to lead through love. You know, he really spe- spent a lot of time thinking through how do you actually motivate a team? How do you align them across a similar purpose? How do you spend time with them? Um, and how do you sort of keep people aligned to a similar purpose. And, you know, I took a lot of lessons away about how we can improve our culture, how we can improve the way that we sort of look into things like sales and marketing 
how we can look into things like taking moonshot bets and trusting people. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's some interesting lessons to be learned there. It's called the trillion dollar coach. And to wrap things up from a holistic perspective, is there one particular lifestyle habits or change that you've recently implemented which has made a difference on your productivity and mindset going into the new year? Yeah, I think um, this year I've committed myself to much more goal setting um, than previous years, being much more self-accountable, writing down my goals a little bit more, spending every week writing down weekly priorities. Um, Again, I know there's different forms of this. Some people journal, some people have life coaches, some people do um, like a weekly sort of review for themselves or they have a coach that does it. Um, I, whatever it is, like uh, maintaining some consistency about what you said you would do versus what you do is actually something that I think is important. Um, and it's also like spending more time thinking about like the habits. Um, I think one of the things that's, uh, that comes out from the book Atomic Habits is um, you fall to the, you, you kind of fall to the uh, level of your systems in terms of your process and your confidence um so you know uh, creating a good system for you to be held self-accountable is something that i've tried to do um and you know it doesn't need to be crazy it just needs to be like a spreadsheet that you look after and go okay cool you know these were my priorities last week how many of them did i get done do i need to re-rank the priorities do i need to delegate some of them i think there's some valuable lessons to be learned love that insight and i'll echo that as well in terms of accountability having an accountability buddy someone who you know shares your journey with you can give you that extra motivation and that extra drive to complete whatever task you are aiming to so to give you an example you know this month i've been uh doing a some some sort of exercise every morning and to hold myself accountable i've been sending a selfie to a friend of mine who's agreed to be part of that with me and if i don't do it then i have to <laughs> donate to a a bad charity so he's so he's that accountability definitely helps as well love it love it cool mate and last but not least if someone wants to connect with you how should they do so yeah i think i'm best found on linkedin um my name is arjun shukla a-r-j-u-n space s-h-u-k-l-a um yeah i also spend some time at twitter um at the handle jun shukla so j-u-n-s-h-u-k-l-a-2 um jun shukla 2 um I don't know why the first one's taken, but yeah, both those places are <laughs> somewhere I'm active. Um, I'm finding Twitter is a more valuable resource than LinkedIn used to be or Facebook group used to, used to be uh, for marketing. There's some really great creators on there. So um, yeah, I mean, I think you can follow me on there and hopefully I'll retweet something of value. Amazing. Well, thank you for the chat today, June. It was a long one, but we got a lot out of it and there's so much more to explore left for TikTok. So Looking forward to seeing what you find out to be the the successful and unsuccessful processes and all of the learnings you discover over the the year ahead. Awesome. Yeah. If if you enjoyed listening to Jun today, I recommend go back and have a listen to a couple of our older episodes. In one of them, he speaks about the importance of culture. Everyone everyone who has worked with Jun has raved about the culture that he has created. And We also have a conversation about Black Friday and Cyber Monday and tactics to approach that period. So perhaps later on this year, before gearing up for that, go back and have a listen. Jun, we'll leave it there. Massive thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Evan, for having me and uh, yeah, doing some great work for the 
entrepreneurs out there. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Well, happy new year. Say hi to the USA crew and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Megaminds podcast. If you're looking to scale your own e-commerce business, get in touch for a free strategy session.